This is The Farming Programme with Steve Orchard. Hello, and I do hope that you and yours have had a great Christmas so far and you're managing to get a bit of a break. I'm Steve Orchard. This week and next week on The Farming Programme, we look back on a challenging 2021 in agriculture and ahead to what we hope will be an easier 22. But don't hold your breath. Industry leaders, local farmers and campaign organisers join us for updates and a bit of crystal ball gazing, starting with NFU Deputy President Stuart Roberts, who will, as I'm sure you're aware, sadly be stepping down from the position at the end of February. Stuart, I know you won't tell me what you're going to be doing after February, so I won't even ask. So let's look back first and start with what was the buzz phrase earlier in the year, levelling up in agriculture. Is the spirit level bubble any closer to the centre than a year ago? I think, look, there are still some really big challenges. And and actually, towards the end of the year where we had Storm Arwen, uh, I got to um, I went up to visit some of the farmers in Northumberland and, and look at the damage, look at how slow it was to get power back. Uh, to clear roads, to restore some of the infrastructure up there. Um, And I I sort of wonder whether it would have, uh, certainly if it happened closer to London, I suspect it would would have probably been cleared up a fair bit quicker, I think. Uh, That, for me, is is levelling up, and, and probably we've not seen it yet. But I do see, in the last year, the importance of Uh, the rural communities, the importance of rural infrastructure has gone up the agenda. You know, we're talking about it more, politicians are talking about it more. So maybe maybe we are seeing the the seeds of some levelling up going on. Just forgetting Storm Arwen for a minute, but on a practical basis, is there anything that the government could point to and say, yeah, we've achieved that under the heading of levelling up agriculture? Uh, We have seen some movement on things like taking some bits of rural crime more seriously, hair coursing, for example, something we've been pushing forward for and and saying that actually we need to take rural crime as seriously as urban crime. So so maybe that might be an area. So yes, they're probably, let's say, yes, there has. It's it's that time of year where we need to be generous, Steve. So I think (laughs) that has been, but, uh, but still lots more to be done. Yeah, let's stay positive. We do have the Rural Crime Action Team coming on stream in Lincolnshire, which is uh, brilliant news. Earlier in the year, again, we talked integrated water management with a proposal from the NFU on that, didn't we? We did. And and this is still, for me, the most exciting topic area I get involved in. And my interest and enthusiasm for water never seems to wane. I think potentially it's the area where we have our biggest competitive advantage over every other agricultural economy in the world we're not that good at dealing with it yet we get too much at some times and not enough at other times and we're not good enough at capturing it and moving it but that's precisely what the integrated water strategy is about it's visiting a fantastic project the other day down in suffolk where uh, they're taking water from just before it gets pumped into the north sea to be lost forever effectively the fresh water they're actually now themselves a group of farmers pumping and storing that water so instead of just getting rid of excess water uh, they're storing it for times when they need it and and that for me is what integrated water management strategy is about we need to see more of that we need to see more investment in it because what we do know is we're going to see more extremes either dry or wet uh, and we're going to have to get better at, uh, at capturing moving and storing water. We have at least found something positive to talk about, which is good news. Um, And then you and I met up at the Great Yorkshire Show, which was, A, good to be back at the Great Yorkshire Show, but we talked about Dimbleby. 
We did. And, and look, you say we found something to be positive about. Let's find something else to be positive about. And, and I think actually off the back of Dimbleby, we also talked quite a lot about food. We talked about consumers. What we've certainly seen in the last year is the consumer's trust of farmers, the consumer's appreciation of farmers has, is at sky high level in all our surveys. And to some extent, the Yorkshire show showed that. You know, we saw more than ever the public interested in where their food comes from, how it's grown, what we do in the countryside. And if you if you put politics to one side, the reality is that the public are fascinated by farming. They support farmers. And uh, that's always one that I find massively positive. Can we talk organic manure for a moment? Because that's been in the headlines over the last few weeks of uh, restrictions being placed on actually being able to use the natural stuff on fields, which to me, as a non-farmer, seems crazy. Uh, it, it's been probably my biggest frustration um, this year, Steve. On the one hand, we have government telling us they want us to use more organic materials, more organic manures. Uh, they want us to use them to improve water holding capacity, soil, organic matter, uh, carbon in the soil. And then on the other hand, they put in place very restrictive rules around when we can apply them, when we can't. What I can say is we are working very hard with both uh, DEFRA and the Environment Agency. I've met now a couple of times on uh, on this with Victoria Prentice. I am very hopeful going into 2022 that we will have a set of better rules, rules that work with farming uh, in terms of those materials. Because as you say, they are absolutely critical to what we do. They are so important to us, uh, particularly at a time when the inorganic alternatives through you know, ammonium nitrate and artificial fertilizers are going, you know, the price of those is going through the roof. And actually, we should all be making the very most of those organic manures. Well, fingers crossed. And again, as we get towards the end of the year, we get another year closer to the end of BPS. And there's been a lot of calls this year with all the problems that agriculture and the economy generally is facing for the whole process to be paused is it? Or are we just heading relentlessly down the road? Well, look, look, we've been very clear. We've been at the forefront of asking for that pause, but it's not just us. You look at what the EFRA committee have said, you look at what the Public Accounts Committee have said and others. The, the big fear in some of this is, is actually this last December, again, let's find something positive again, Steve. I'm, I'm always an optimist, you know that. <laughs> um, the, the BPS payments this year got out in record time. You know, really well delivered by by the RPA. Um, the one year they finally crack it and they get delivery as as good as they've ever got it. We then decide we're going to change the system. Um, and th this is a bit like history repeating itself. And I think we do need to make sure that you know it's not just the the policy that people are looking to design, but also they put the mechanics in place to make sure that that money can get into people's bank accounts where it is where it is needed, and and certainly in a world of public money for public goods, where people have invested themselves in delivering those public goods, um, and we will need the income from those. So look, there are still some question marks around it. I think there certainly has been some steps forward in in December of. Uh, a degree more clarity but there's still some big challenges around there as we go into the new year 
Stuart, you and I have talked many times over the last couple of years since I took over the farming programme. Whatever your plans are for the future, and I respect your decision to uh, hold off on those for a little while longer, but you've made a huge contribution to the NFU. You've made a huge contribution to British farming, and you've made my job an awful lot easier with your contributions to the farming programme. So on behalf of all of us here, thank you, and I wish you a very happy Christmas and a very happy New Year. Well, thank you, Steve. And it's always a pleasure talking to uh, to you guys. It's one of those dangerous interviews where you forget it's an interview. It's almost just a conversation amongst a couple of people who know each other well. And that makes it dangerous because I then go and say something I'm not supposed to say. But um, can I thank you for uh, for everything you've done in the two years that, that you've had the programme? I think it's a great programme. And can I wish uh, all your listeners a prosperous new year? Uh, And I look forward to our paths crossing again in future. I'm sure they will. Stuart, thanks very much. Always a pleasure. He still wouldn't tell me what he's going to do, even with the microphone off. Over the next two weeks, we'll look at how various farming sectors have fared in 2021. Crops in a few minutes and pigs and poultry next week, but first sheep. Phil Stocker is the chief exec of the National Sheep Association. Phil, we started the year concerned about the departure from the EU and the lack for a long time of a trade deal. But we did get one done eventually, though. There's still... um lots of detail that we sorted out even now but we did leave with a deal which meant that we still had that zero tariff access into the European Union. Have you suffered with admin problems because that, uh, that certainly was a problem at the start of the year wasn't Hugely, it? Hugely yeah and there's still ongoing there export health certificates uh, paperwork uh, bureaucracy hold-ups at border control posts all of those things were really quite acute in those first couple of months they're not as bad as they were but they're still ongoing now. Interestingly, we've seen 23% less lamb go to the European Union, but the value of that lamb has only fallen by somewhere in the region of 4%. So, you know, there's been an offset by the, the, the increase in values. And have you been affected by staff shortages in processing plants? So I wouldn't say that uh, we've been untouched and our processors are definitely not working at optimum levels of efficiency, but it's not affected us so badly. One interesting thing that happened with um, COVID was uh, the closure of the hospitality market, which led to more people eating at home. And when they ate at home, obviously they had to buy their their food through supermarkets or farm shops or in the high street. And we realised then that our retail outlets were much more loyal to British producers than our catering supply chains. So overall, the closure of the catering market actually did us some favours because we saw another drive forward in demand for uh, British lamb. It's nice to get a bit of positivity out of 2021. Fleece prices seem to have held up a bit better this year than last. They're crawling their way back up again. Again, the the, the wool prices were really hit by, um, by COVID and lockdown, mainly in China. And again, through the the closure in hospitality markets with cruise ships and hotels. None of those sorts of venues were replacing their carpets and the demand for wool really fell. But yeah, the wool price is climbing its way back up. And for 2022, do a bit of crystal ball gazing. What are your thoughts on the year to come? Well, I think it's going to be another uh, challenging year of uncertainty, really. I mean, we've had a year of really strong prices, prices that we've not seen before in the in the sheep sector, but we need to bear in mind that all input costs are just going through the roof at the moment. You know, although we've seen a good year, I think we've got inflation to deal with in 2022, which is going to be a real challenge. Um, if you look globally, I don't think there's any reason why we should uh, expect to see any great dip in, in land prices. We've also just recently had the very good news of the U.S. Um, lifting the small ruminant rule, 
which has been why we haven't been able to put any British lamb into the U.S. either. So we do expect that market to start to bear some fruit as from maybe as early as Easter. So there's some positivity in the market. There's supply and demand dynamics suggest to everyone that I speak to that um, there's no reason why we should see lamb prices fall next year at all. All right, Phil. Well, I wish you a very happy new year. Hope everything goes well for the sector and uh, all the best to you and yours. Well, that's that's really much appreciated, Steve, and I look forward to speaking to you again in 2022. Education, education, education. Where have I heard that before? So much effort goes into educating the next generation on the journey our food takes from farm to fork. Lincolnshire Showground, for example, hosts regular events and provide ongoing farming and country education to our children. And earlier in 2021, a new farming magazine aimed firmly at educating and entertaining a younger audience, Youngstock, was launched. I spoke to publisher Emma Smith back in March. Nine months on, how's Youngstock going, Emma? Well, it's been really good. There's been a lot of interest. Uh, We're up to 1,100 monthly subscriptions now, um, and that's kind of across the country. So um, I really feel like we're getting there now, and people are starting to hear about the Youngstock, which is great. How does that 1,100 compare with what you were hoping for? To be honest with you, I didn't have any kind of target because it's such a new thing. I mean, obviously, I would like it to expand. I would like it to develop and I would like it to grow. You know, we're still in the midst of a pandemic. I've launched it purely just off social media. So that's 1,100 readers, children, families that we're reaching. I'm absolutely over the moon with that. But, you know, yes, obviously, if I can expand into the new year, then that would be even better. Just for those who don't know, give us a quick 30 seconds on what Youngstock magazine is there to do. It's a 28-page print publication delivered direct to the child's door. We focus on uh, livestock, machinery, arable enterprises. We talk about relevant and current issues within the farming and countryside industries. We focus on produce within our country and around the world. We focus on a career, wildlife crime. We have a recipe and a puzzles and a colouring page for our younger readers. What about online? Is the magazine available online? No, it isn't. No, I'm sticking at the moment with the the print option because I feel quite passionately that, A, the child gets uh, their own post delivered to the door, but equally I want our children to cherish the magazine that they've got, that they can scribble on it, keep their articles, keep their recipes. And, you know, the whole ethos of the magazine is obviously to educate our children um, on our industries, but also to encourage reluctant readers. You know, if they've got it in a print format, then they can at least keep going back to it over and over again. And I bet it's not just the kids that are reading this, is it? No. And I've had some really lovely responses and messages from adults saying that they're learning things too. And even people within the farming industry, we've all got our own niches. So I'm a beef farmer. So, you know, when my machinery and arable articles come in you know i'm learning stuff too so um hopefully we're educating a wide audience and you've got some merchandise available yes so we've uh, we've got some hoodies and some caps and some key rings and just recently i've launched an a4 binder so that the children can collect either all their issues or they can cut out just particular articles that they like and we're also currently selling a charity calendar um, and all the photos have been taken by our readers as part of a competition that we did so uh, yes all merchandise is available on the website (laughs) excellent i'm delighted that things are going well emma because this is something we definitely need and the more we can educate the next generation onto the farming world and countryside uh, the, the better everybody will be what's your thoughts for heading into 2022 where are you seeing things going next year 
Um, well, I feel positively about everything. The industry, we've, you know, we've got such a good uh, community within agriculture and the countryside. So, you know, I'm still going to report on some of the delicate issues, like we've covered bird flu in uh, the January issue. So we'll just remain positive, expand the magazine, and hopefully we can reach out to more children and more adults in the months to come. Brilliant. Well, good luck for 2022 and all the best to you and yours for a happy new year. Thank you so much. All you need to know about Youngstock magazine is online at theyoungstock.com. Continuing our look backwards and forwards at this year and next in agriculture, out in the field looking at how the crops have fared, Lincolnshire farmer Andrew Wood. Good morning, Andrew. Morning, Steve. So looking back on the last year, I would have to say it's been a very eventful one. Harvest was disappointing here on the farm at Lednam. Most of the crops were a ton to the acre down on where they normally are over the sort of five-year average and I think the blame at that really lies uh, with April. It was a cold, frosty month. We had 23 nights of frost, which I don't think helped the crops at all because they shut down for virtually the whole of that month. But then in comparison, we've got sugar beet, which is extremely good this year. And We've had one of our heavy land fields has actually turned in the best yield of sugar beet we've ever had at just under 103 tonnes per hectare, about 41 tonnes an acre. And uh, the sugar's been good as well nearly 19%. So for us, sugar beet on our heavy land uh, is good. And we've had a very good autumn. We've had an extremely dry, kind autumn. And that's enabled us to get winter wheat and all the all the autumn crops in in good conditions. And the prospects of next harvest because of that look good. The kind autumns also enable us to get the land ready for next year's spring crops. So again, the soil's in good condition for next spring, which will be uh, really useful. Looking back this last year, of course, the pandemic's been on everyone's mind, but I think it's made everybody realise how valuable and vital locally produced food is. Um, probably except the government, where they're quite happy to import everything from uh, the other side of the world. And at the minute, when you look in the UK, we're only 60% self-sufficient in food. We need to get that higher, but then we need to also balance that with 60% of our land is not available to grow crops on because it's too mountainous and, and uh, too hilly and covered in trees. So we have to balance that. We've got our BPS reductions this last year have started, which obviously we need to try and make that up somehow. But Elms has been introduced, this new land management scheme. But I don't think you can get the BPS money back uh, in that because land needs taken out of production. We've also had this last year, the Environment Agency announced the banning of manures um, after September the 1st, if you can't meet certain criteria, which is extremely difficult to do. And that is really worrying for the whole industry with the sewage sludge that we put on and also the livestock uh, farmers that are having to store their manures longer over the winter. We've got the pig crisis this last year has has come up and we've got at the moment, I think, around 30,000 pigs have had to be culled and uh, and actually incinerated as well because there are labour shortages in the butcheries and the abattoirs. And that's really sad to think that we've got people in this world are starving and we've got countries the other side of the world are short of food yet we're having to dispose of of good food like that and lastly of this last year of course we've uh, we've got an, an input rise in fertilizer we've got fuel gone up 
we've got um, chemicals and our, land, our plant production products have gone up as well. So, of course, that's, uh, that's quite alarming for next year. And looking forward to next year, we've still got fertiliser is rising. I think the latest prices have just been pulled uh, just before Christmas and, uh, and there'll be new prices coming up in the new year, which are going to be um, up even more. But then good for grain farmers or for arable farmers are the grain prices. We've got record high prices, which is good, but then we need to balance that with the feed that livestock farmers will need to use is going to be extremely expensive. So again, that is, is not good news for them when you start to look at the cost of producing meat. Just touching on forage aid, we haven't been called on this last year. We haven't had a major weather incident, which is great to think that uh, we haven't had to sort of go to the other farmers and go to the industry to try and ask for straw and silage and feed and that the livestock uh, and the livestock farmers haven't suffered an extreme weather event. So that's really good from our point of view. And lastly, I'd just like to see the government really getting to grips with this food labelling problem because we have got food on our supermarket shelves that uh, has got a Union Jack on the packet, but all that's happened to that produce in that packet is as it's come from the other side of the world, but it's been packed in the UK. And they're allowed to put a Union Jack on the bag to say that it's produced in this country, which uh, is, is really wrong. And I'd like to see the government uh, get to grips with this, and that's probably my biggest sort of wish firm for the next year so anyway just to wrap up if uh, you'd like to see how food is produced and what goes on on everyday farm look at my channel on youtube uh, there's some things on there about what we do in everyday life on the farm and lastly could i wish everybody a happy new year thanks andrew and a very happy new year to you and Rhonda. How have the grain markets performed in 2021 then and where did the prices end up? With his final report of the year, Openfield's Kit Dickinson. Morning, Kit. Well, good morning, Steve. Back in January, we started the year with high X farm prices in the region of £200 a tonne for feed wheat. Matif wheat futures climbed to seven and a half year highs as the EU attempted to price itself out of the export market. And in February, the announcement of the introduction of E10 fuels by the UK Department of Transport was welcomed by both Ensis and Vivergo. March saw a drop in feed wheat slightly, but all-seed rape starting to climb to today's values. And of course, one of the world's most important waterways was blocked as a shipping container was wedged from bank to bank in the Suez Canal. From April onwards, weather events around the world came into play. South America suffered with heavy rains and North America and Canada saw dry conditions at planting. This affected both all-seed rape and wheat prices, with a drop in the soil bean crop from South America and concerns over the maize crop coming from the north. As we move forward into the summer for the European harvest, the heavy rains across Europe affected the quantity and quality available to harvest in France, Germany, Spain, to mention a few. This delayed harvesting and put a cap on the quality that was available to export. Luckily, rains did not come as far as the UK and compared to many countries around the world, we had good harvesting conditions and compared to the previous two years, good weather in the back end of the season for establishing winter crops. The rains continued in South America, affecting soybean harvest, with ships queuing up to export that were too wet to even get the soybeans to. The North American maize crop has now been dropped by the USDA, significantly affecting the UKX farm price. So, as I have said, all of these prices did affect the UKX farm price, as well as China coming to the market to try and replenish their large stocks used the year before because of COVID-19. As Australia started harvesting, the rains came and they have suffered with lower yield and quality, very similar to southern Europe. 
All of this has helped the UK X farm price this season. There are concerns moving forward from the UK farmer, given the higher than expected fertiliser prices that we have seen. And the question is, how long will these prices stay? Moving on to prices this week then for feed wheat, January 218 to 228, March 220 to 230, May 222 to 232, and looking forward to November new crop 190 to 198. Milling wheat premiums are circa £50. Barley for January 200 to 210, March 210 to 218, with a smaller rise for May 215 to 220. November new crop 170 to 178. Malting barley premiums are circa 60 to 65 pounds. Oilseed rate for January 614 to 624, March 620 to 628, and May 620 to 628. Limited carry in the back end of the season. Looking at November new crop 440 to 450 pounds. So thank you very much. Merry Christmas and a very happy new year. Many thanks as ever, Kit, and the very same to you. The Farming Programme. Five-day forecast. The week starts cold with easterly winds in the mid-teens and rain expected through the day, highs of 4 Celsius. Slightly warmer on Monday with lighter winds from the southeast, rain again later in the day. The middle of the week sees the wind pick up from the southwest, mostly dry Tuesday, but rain again on Wednesday, much warmer with highs up to 12 Celsius. The end of the week sees the winds ease, temperature drop to around 5 Celsius by Friday, pressure rising and some more rain. Next week on the Farming Programme, we'll continue our look backwards and forwards in agriculture, focusing on the pig and poultry sectors, farm safety and agronomy, plus mental health and the support that's available to the country community. I'm Steve Orchard. Huge thanks to the nearly 100 different contributors to the programme this year and to all in farming and the countryside. Can I wish you and yours a very happy and prosperous new year? 